I kind of had to be thrown kicking and screaming into the role of yoga teacher my entire life. Not only was my body nowhere near what a lot of people's could do, uh, I had to teach from where I was and grow into it as my body got stronger. I was thrown into teaching by my teacher who decided after three years of teaching and training me that I was ready and she was going to India. I said, you know, I just wanted to learn how to teach just to gain more information for my own practice. I never thought I would use it. I didn't ever think I was going to be a yoga teacher. Um, I liked music. I like rock music. I, I wanted to be a musician. Um, I, I definitely wasn't in the yoga kind of category as far as I was concerned, but she saw something in me and she said, well, I know you love your practice and I know you love coming to class, but if you don't teach, there'll be nobody else to teach and you won't have your class anymore. So I guess you'll have to step up. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to the All About Fitness podcast. That voice you just heard in the beginning is Sadie Nardini. She is the guest for this episode. What's interesting about that is that that is exactly, if you ask a lot of instructors, if your favorite instructor, if you're a fitness enthusiast, if you like taking workouts, I will bet you, I will almost guarantee you that your favorite instructor got into teaching almost the exact same way. Here's what happens, folks. If you're a full-time instructor, you you want to take a break sometime. You want to take a week off. You want to go on vacation. You want to go out of town. You need to find somebody to sub your class. So what Sadie's instructor did was Sadie's instructor, Sadie's teacher taught her how to teach. Number one, she saw something in Sadie because she wanted to, to practice yoga and she wanted to be able to share that and get better at her practice and share her practice with others. But number two, what Sadie's teacher did is what a lot of us fitness instructors do. They identify up-and-coming students who have potential and then teach them how to be instructors selfishly so us instructors can take a break. So I'm just pe- letting you peek behind the curtain a little bit behind a well-known fitness industry secret is that's how a lot of instructors get to be made. On this episode of All About Fitness, it's a lot of fun to catch up with Sadie Nardini. Sadie does an awesome online yoga program. She has tons of followers on her Instagram, her YouTube. This is really a fun conversation because I did honestly, I really didn't know what to expect. I interviewed Sadie because Sadie's going to be speaking at Ideal World this year. Ideal World is a huge fitness conference. I'm going to have a little promo about that. But what I wanted to do is I wanted people to kind of take a peek behind and hear what drives Sadie. Because in this conversation, it's the first time I ever really thought about this. But as instructors, a lot of instructors are creatives. You know, we don't have jobs where we're simply, you know, repeating and, and, and creating, or we're not repeating things, we're not producing things, but we're creating workouts. So creating and designing a workout is a lot like creating a piece of art. And that's really what this conversation is about. This conversation is how we can look at exercise and movement as a form of creativity. And I'm going to have a link to Sadie's uh, Instagram f- uh, page below because if you want to see beauty, if you want to see an expression of movement, I really, a lot of what we talk about today is that how Sadie expresses herself, not only through movement, but through her images. So, coming up after a quick word from the sponsors of All About Fitness, it is going to be Sadie Nardini talking about yoga, social media, and a little bit of punk rock. Yes, we get into a great discussion on punk rock. Before we get into the interview, before I get into the ads, I want to say a huge thank you to Jeff. Jeff, I really appreciate that note you sent on Instagram, and I super, 
man, that's awesome. I really appreciate what you wrote on on iTunes. I, that's an awesome review. I thank you for that. Listeners, you know how this works. The more reviews we get, the higher up in the search rankings. Another special thank you is to Rudy. Rudy came up to me at a, a restaurant in our local town here in Southern California. And man, I, I was honored that you came up and, and you said hello. I just didn't expect it, man. So Rudy, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to meet you in person. Now, folks, let's get on to it. We're going to have a quick word from the sponsors of All About Fitness. And we are going to have a phenomenal conversation today with Sadie Nardini. It's a platform. It's a balance tool. You can do a ton of different exercises on it. Guys, you've been listening to me talk about the Terracor. You've been hearing Terracor ads on All About Fitness. Well, I've got great news for you. I went to the folks at Terracor. The code AAF, I changed the code. The code AAF now gets you a 25%. That is 25, 25% savings on a Terracor. Use code AAF to save 25% on a Terracor. What is Terracor? Don't go to TerracorFitness.com. That is TerracorFitness.com, T-E-R-R-A, CoreFitness.com, and check out one of the coolest products in fitness. See why Men's Health voted it one of the top fitness at-home products that you should have for your workouts. Check out Terracor Fitness on Instagram to see some amazing tricks. Again, Terracor now is 25% off through All About Fitness. Use code AAF to save 25% on the purchase of a Terracor. You can pick them up. You can carry them. You can lift them. You can swing them. You can throw them. You can do core training with them, metabolic conditioning with them, high-intensity interval training. Whatever you want to do with movement, you can do it with a sand bell, you can do it with soft bells, or you can do it with a vest by Hyperware. Hyperware makes some excellent products that allow you to move with extra resistance. Resistance training is what makes a difference in your body, folks. If you want to get stronger, you got to pick up something heavy. If you want to burn a few calories, you pick up something heavy a little bit faster, but do it safely. Whatever your fitness goal is, Hyperware makes a product that can help you achieve it. That's H-Y-P-E-R-Ware.com, Hyperware, makers of the vest, one of the best vests out there on the market. You can use a weighted vest that stays close to your body, and you can do a tons of cool body weight exercises with it with a little extra weight. Hyperware also makes sand bells and soft bells, very unique weights. I love them. I use them in my book, Smarter Workouts, because they work. Use code AAF10. That's AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of any Hyperware product and go to hyperware.com to check out their entire catalog. What are you doing from June 26th to 30th? Well, if you're smart, you're going to join me and a number of other fitness industry leaders at the Idea World Convention in Anaheim, California. From June 26th to 30th on 2019, we are going to be there talking all things fitness, nutrition, and behavior change. If you want to up your fitness game, and folks, it does not matter. You could be a professional, you could be an instructor, a trainer, or if you're just a fitness enthusiast and you want to see the Super Bowl of fitness, you too can join us at the Idea World Convention. You'll get firsthand best practices on power and effective workout programs for one-on-one and groups. You'll learn groundbreaking movement, nutrition, and behavior training strategies that can help you take your fitness professional game to the next level. You'll learn how to lead, manage, sell, market, and grow a bulletproof fitness business. And finally, you'll be able to learn how to use and implement the newest technology and fitness tools in your practice. There'll be a link down below in the show notes and listen to the end of the podcast for a special code that'll allow you to save $30 on this year's Idea World. That's Idea World 2019. 
June 26th to 30th in Anaheim, California. A grown man cannonballed on my head in swimming pool. Um, So he, this, you know, I'm just swimming. I'm tiny at that time, 5'1", like barely 85 pounds. And this big guy cannonballed off the side of the pool onto my head and broke my neck in three places, knocked me out. They had to pull me out of the pool. And I did not remember what happened when I woke up. Um, I didn't feel good at all. And I went home and proceeded to have extremely strange symptoms. I said, oh, I think I passed out in the pool. My mom said, maybe you should eat something, you know, and I proceeded over the next two weeks to slowly become, uh, I would call it partially paralyzed all over my body. So I couldn't walk, just crawl around. I was extraordinarily weak. I had horrible migraines and my body was just kind of making itself not move because I wasn't stabilizing it. I did not know what had happened. We went to the doctor two weeks later. They never took an, a neck x-ray or anything. So they told me, well, it looks like maybe you've had spinal meningitis, but you waited so long to come in that it's we can't find it anymore. But it appears you've melted your central nervous system somehow. <laughs> and I guess hopefully it'll just go away. Otherwise, you'll have to get a wheelchair and you might never walk again. You might. We don't know. And they shot me up with a bunch of stuff and sent me home. And that was all the medical treatment I received for my neck being like that. Luckily, my mother put me in a whole bunch of restorative yoga poses all the time. We were just, we didn't know what to do. And being in those yoga poses sometimes for hour and hour at a time, I think helped me stabilize myself so that I would not impact my spinal cord anymore, which, you know, is not a good thing. I have no idea how I survived that. <laughs> yeah, wait, 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 wait. Damage in the spinal cord is a, is a, is a bad thing. Is that, yeah. is that a new, is that, is yeah. there some research on that? That's brand new. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of that yet? It just came out. That, it, that sounds gnarly. I can't believe that was a simple swimming pool accident. So how long did it take you to fully uh, recover from that? Oh, well, I'll never be fully recovered. I'm 47 right now and I still have to be really careful of of how I sleep and what pillow I use and how much activity I do with my body. But I really over 10 years worked myself up from the ground to be able to even step into a fitness or yoga class at all and do the bare minimum. I mean, my first yoga class, I was in on a mat near the front of the room. I, I thought it was going to be my restorative stuff, but it turns out it was gym yoga. It was some kind of power strongest yoga you can imagine. So the first pose she put us in was chair pose, which if you don't know this, people listening, uh, that's just sitting in a chair with no chair there. And it's extremely hard to hold. I held it for about three seconds and then had to walk around the room. I did not know how to be in a yoga class. I didn't know the etiquette. So I'm walking around the room asking people, is this, this hard for you? Oh my gosh, is this yoga? Woo! And the teacher... It's like, Sadie, can you please just, here's child's pose, get back on your mat, don't leave the mat during class, you know, but she was lovely. And three years of her classes, I chipped away and built myself up to the point where I could do what most people would consider to be a strong basics class. And um, being as stubborn as I am, I just kept going to see what I was made of and ended up taking over her classes when she left. She certified me. I went on to teach the world. Handstands. Well, isn't that interesting? 
Well, isn't that interesting that, that I, it's funny because now that you're an instructor, do you, do you know what she did with you as uh, by teaching you how to be an instructor? Oh yeah. I mean, she was brilliant. I, um, well, she, you know, she taught me how to teach by teaching me how to be a student first. And I think that's the most powerful lesson. A lot, a lot of people I see will do yoga for, or, or their fitness practice for a year. And as deeply committed beginners, they really want to spread the message of something that's helping them. They'll jump right into teaching. You know, I think the world needs as many teachers as possible. So I'm not saying don't do it, but I am saying no matter how long you've been doing your practice, whatever it is, continue to go to class, continue to do your home practice and stay in that student seat. And that is going to make you much more uh, empathetic to people that you are around. A lot of teachers teach so much they forget their own practice. And that's when you start to lose touch. So she taught me to stay in my practice, even if you're offering to other people and that will keep it fresh and that will keep you really kind of magnetic. It will keep it in your bones, in your body, instead of in your head. And I I really love that she did that. And of course the training and everything was lovely and personal and we don't get that a lot anymore. Um, it, it, one thing I want to ask you, and, and, and actually what I'm going to do is I, we, I'm going to pick up from the conversation. And for listeners, this is Pete McCall with All About Fitness. I'm speaking today with Sadie Nardini. Uh, sorry, Sadie Nardini. And <laughs> uh, good, we're talking actually. about, <laughs> thank you. We're, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about her, her background in, in yoga and how she got into it. So you, she, you came into yoga as a result of a horrible accident. Did you ever envision that you would, you yourself would become an instructor? I never, I never did. And it's funny. I kind of had to be thrown kicking and screaming into the role of yoga teacher my entire life. Not only was my body nowhere near what a lot of people's could do. Uh, I had to teach from where I was and grow into it as my body got stronger. I was thrown into teaching by my teacher who decided after three years of teaching and training me that I was ready and she was going to India. I was in Seattle at the time, so I said, you know, I just wanted to learn how to teach just to gain more information for my own practice. I never thought I would use it. I didn't ever think I was going to be a yoga teacher. Um, I liked music. I like rock music. I I wanted to be a musician. Um, I, I definitely wasn't in the yoga kind of category as far as I was concerned, but she saw something in me and she said, well, I know you love your practice. And I know you love coming to class, but if you don't teach, there'll be nobody else to teach and you won't have your class anymore. So I guess you'll have to step up. (laughs) Imagine being back in the day when there are really no other teachers in Seattle around. (laughs) That was, that's how old I am. Uh, But I thought about it and I, I stepped up in the front of this class that I'd been in for years I said, well, guys, you know, if, if I don't do this, we're not going to have a class. So, you know, bear with me. I'm not, I'm not our teacher. Just here we go. And I did my best. And after class, they came up and they were so excited and said, we love how you teach this. Wow. We like the things you say and keep going. And I kept going for another, you know, 20 years. Here I am teaching the world and now branching out into other forms of, um, innovation with yoga and fitness and social media and going around to these conferences like idea world and teaching people how to do it too. (laughs) 
And so now you're based out of Seattle. How'd you end up from Seattle? And you're based out of Santa Barbara, California, correct? Yes. And, and how long? I mean, how long were you in Seattle? Because it's interesting. Seattle is one of those cities that really isn't a huge like when you think fitness, you don't really think Seattle, but it does have a strong little fitness community there. Oh, it sure does. And you know, back in the day, I mean, we're talking like early '90s when I was going to college there. I I was there for three years and. There's a huge college there. I was teaching at the University of Washington and a couple of other spots, but that's, uh, you know, where you have a ton of students, where you have a ton of faculty, you're going to have fitness programs. And and yoga was kind of new to the scene. I mean, there was mostly only Ashtanga there at that time, and then it started branching out. It was a small community, but a very, you know, fervent community. We loved we loved our, our movement and our yoga. Then I moved to LA right after that. And LA was more a mature fitness and yoga spot, of course, during that time even. And I really got to kind of take in the buffet of all the different types of styles and not just yoga either, because I was never only interested in one type of movement. I was always training and studying whatever kind of struck my fancy and I think that that's why I kind of punk rocked out the, the yoga form to include other things that I feel yoga alone doesn't give us. And also to keep myself inspired to be adding in whatever I feel like, like these days I'm, I'm adding light weights, I'm adding kettlebells and ankle weights. I'm doing hit within the yoga, but my own style of yoga based hit moves and it's fun. You know, I just want to have fun with the body. So I just kind of gathered well, you said you, you're a musician, and in one of your images on your website, you have a, a picture of yourself in a pose holding a guitar. Do you still play, or, or and what type of music? I mean, obviously, you're into punk and rock and roll, but what, what did you play? What instruments and, and what type of music? I mean, what drives you from that, and, and why does punk drive you? Well, you know, I used to be, I used to be more into punk in, in certain ways, and I still, I still love some you know, formative bands, but now I'm in a band. I actually sing. I'm, so I'm the front woman. I can play a guitar, but horribly. I can play a few chords if needed, you know. Um, <laughs> but my main instrument is my voice. And it's funny we're talking about this right now because I'm a little hoarse right now. I just got done with a big show on Sunday for the rock and metal community. It was a benefit for Ronnie James Dio, who was the lead singer of uh, Sabbath for a while, Black Sabbath and, and Dio and Rainbow, he died of cancer. So we were doing a huge benefit with all these different bands and players from everywhere in California. I was singing with my band. We opened that festival. Afterward, Wendy Dio, who if anyone is a rock and metal geek like me, uh, you'll know who that is. Yes, that Wendy Dio. She came up afterward and told me she was just shocked. She was like, you're so amazing. It was such a cool show. Somebody else came up and said, hey, now you can quit your yoga day job. You're going to go really far with this, whatever they were saying. And I just thought, I don't want to do that. This is just part of my, you know, multifaceted way of expressing who I truly am. Um, I don't know if I'm a musician who got into yoga or someone who is spiritual and wanted to do yoga movement, who also loves music. It's just me. And but I'm going to do it all you know, as me. And I just, I love it when people are 
are an umbrella of themselves. And underneath that, they have all their creations. It's very exciting. Um, so yeah, well, I'm going to be cool. doing more music and, and movement too. Well, what I, what's cool about that, I just pulled up your Instagram feed and I'm looking at some of those, those pictures on that. And you said you're, you're a big fan of some formative bands and we're going to still, this is still all about fitness. So for listeners, I'm not going to turn this into all about punk rock, but <laughs> wait, I grew up in the Washington DC area in the eighties. And so my, from about 12 or 13 on, I was huge in like minor threat, bad brains, uh, mm-hmm. Fugazi, you know, EMK, all that, you know, it's just it's such an, and recently, maybe in the last five years, I've gotten back into punk rock and, and to my chagrin, I can't find a bad brain sticker to throw in the back of my minivan or I haven't been able to find one yet. Um, so who were your influences? I mean, from that world who, you, you know, the formative bands who really kind of got you into, into that genre. Well, I mean, I'm from the seventies, you know, so of course we're talking about, I mean, I, I'm definitely including the Ramones in that, that is, and as someone who then moved to New York city for 20 years, um, they are for me just some incredible formative musicians clash, you know, black flag, who, 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 who doesn't, uh, who isn't formed by that? You know, Susie, Susie Sue, like I don't just everybody. I mean, I can't even, I can't even think of everybody or I'm so excited about this right now, but I think this is just all of them, all the greats. Well, but think about that because, you know, I mean, for <laughs> listeners, you know, what, 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 if you weren't around in the 80s, I mean, the 80s was really all about this overconsumption and this spend money. And the, the underground scene of punk, you know, kind of emanated from London in the UK in the late mm-hmm. 70s. And it was just, you know, it was this amazing, like, era. I mean, I, I used to go to shows at DC Space and, and the, the old 930 Club in downtown DC when I was like 14, 15 years old. And it's such a, but the reason where I'm going with this is because if you're into punk rock and you're into alternative stuff like that, you have a different thought process. You look at the world a little bit differently. Has that shaped how you approach yoga? Because you just talked about, you like to do things differently. How has your, how has your appreciation of music helped open you up to be able to be creative with a format like yoga? Well, it really, it really started from the beginning when I, I stepped into New York city, that's where I really started teaching in many different studios, many different spots as myself, because in Seattle, I was in a a gym setting. I was taking over a certain style for a certain teacher. I felt very beholden to kind of carry on her tradition. But then once I got to New York city, I mean, all bets were off. I could be whoever I wanted. I could, I could start wherever I needed to start. And I really sat with myself and I said, right, you're a creative. Um, now you don't have, nobody knows you. Nobody knows what you've been doing. No one knows your teacher. Who do you want to be? And she really encouraged me from the beginning, not to teach her style, but to take the information and become myself with it. Uh, and I came to New York and just threw down. I said, okay, so here's the class I would like to take. And this is what I always encourage teachers of any style to do, yoga or otherwise. Teach the class you would like to take, even if you have to rent a space somewhere to do it around your normal teaching schedule where you're teaching like other people, for other people, whatever you have to be doing. And what would that be? I wanted to play certain music. You know, I wanted to hear New York Dolls in a class. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> want to hear all sitar 24-7. Um, 
I wanted to create a soundscape that I would want to teach to and get inspired by while I was teaching. I wanted to use my own words. I wanted to tell people about my experience and then open it up to whatever their experience might be in the class. And that was something not a lot of teachers were doing. You heard a lot of, oh, this is what you should be feeling or, or this pose is for this. And I said, hey, explore around in this pose, move as you. And I would always give yogis choice moments during class, like five, 10 minutes where they would just move in the way their bodies needed to move during that time. And I didn't know no one else did that, but you know, I wanted to just come there completely blank space and then write Sadie on my classes. I still, I still am I'm figuring out new ways to do that all the time. And that keeps me excited. I would have quit a long time ago if I had to just teach the same thing over and over again or teach like someone else. Um, for me, it's not the, it's not going to hold my interest. And so what, where do you get your, I mean, where do you get your motivation when you're looking at doing different things and you're looking to create like a different approach? What, what drives your, your motivation? I think it's my constant and consistent, more importantly, practice of having a date with self. So I have dates with Sadie and, and whether my husband's there or not, I have them anyway, uh, where I go out every day. I'm not kidding you. Every, every single day with my notebook, with myself, probably with a glass of Sauvignon Blanc or Pinot Grigio. <laughs> and I sit and listen to myself. I write down and envision what's next for me, what would excite me to teach what, what topics, what kinds of classes, what courses could I make? And I'm always writing and, and fleshing out that book. And then when I film something or I create something, I cross it off. I listen to myself each morning and say, what do you want to film today? Is it that thing you wrote about or is it something different? And I will know because I have a very fluent conversational ability with myself now because I practiced it so much. A lot of people don't have clarity. They don't, they're like, I don't know which direction I should go. I don't know what I want to make. Which kind of course could I make? Well, that's just because you haven't repeated and practiced enough. Like rehearsing for the show we just did. We didn't just get up there for half an hour and, you know, as I would say, kick asana, because I don't know if we were swearing here today, but <laughs> uh, I've yeah, I, I try to keep it relatively clean. Yeah, this I goes figured. around to a lot of countries, and some countries get a little sure. upset if you drop a sure. few, few um, four-letter words. Yeah, well, you can you can just insert your own <laughs> idea there, but <laughs> but you know, we, we didn't we didn't kill that show because I'm just that good at it, and and my band members are that good at it. It's because we rehearsed for a month before that. We all did, whether we were together or separately, we rehearsed so much. We practiced and we repeated. I repeated those songs in the morning, at night, in the bathtub, walking down the street, in the car. I knew them inside and out. So when I could get up on that stage, I could really shine. And I think the unsexy work of, of repetition and consistently sitting with yourself it seems kind of like, oh, okay, I have to do this. Well, you get to do this. And I think true artists, uh, true creatives see the practice 
the behind the scenes times as, as rewarding as the time you get to be the rock star or the time you're sitting in front of your class. But a lot of people don't take that preparation time. And so then they're just kind of phoning it in or they don't feel inspired. They're, they're not clear about who they are. Inspiration is something that you, that you get when you repeat that rehearsal time with yourself, that listening time. Um, that's an outcome of it. You don't just suddenly get inspired. Usually, you know, you can spark inspiration in other ways. What's interesting is I've been interviewing, you know, a few people recently, you know, well, (laughs) that's what I do on a podcast, right? (laughs) But with a few other people recently, they talk about the importance, you know, like for example, Todd Durkin recently talked about the importance of his daily ritual. For you, how important is that ritual of taking the time? And I love the fact you're saying have a conversation with yourself. You know, and it's funny, Paul Check said the exact same thing. He'll he'll ask his body, body, what do you need today? Self, what do you need today? So the reason why I'm saying that is there's a thread among high performers in our industry who take this time. How important is that to you? And what ha- do you feel a difference if you're traveling or you're doing something different, you don't get a chance to have that time during the day? Oh, yeah. Well, it's crucial. I mean, it's crucial, I think, to to any artist, and we're all creative artists, if we're trying to put a class together and offer it in public, or if we're trying to optimize social media pages to better represent you and reach people with your message, or you're a musician, whatever it is, you're, you're always, we're all creatives, you know, and, and true artists uh, require that consistent self-practice, self-listening, self introspection, uh, self-conversation. And it is a conversation. I ask myself all the time, okay, and here's, here's the mantra or this, the power saying that I encourage people to try out, um, what's now and what's next. When I sit down, I say, okay, what's, what's now? What do I, what's really on my, on my heart? What needs to be taken care of? Uh, what's, what's happening today? What do I really need to tackle? But then once I have done that or written down that I am going to do that later in the day, I, then I ask myself, okay, what's next? What, what do you feel like is arising for you to create next? What do you want to shift in anything that you're doing right now to transform it or evolve it in some way? What would excite you more? What would feel more fulfilling to you? And then I'm less likely to waste my time and energy on stuff that doesn't matter, like other people's dramas or, you know, my, my own anxiety or my own tendency toward laziness. And, oh, I'm just going to, whatever, I'm just going to wander around today. I will have a focused time every morning to get my work done. And then after that, I'm free to roam around and I can go do my stuff. So I have a very concentrated schedule whether I am on the road or not, there's always going to be this time during my day where I sit with myself, my journal, my thoughts, and then my computer and get stuff done. See, I like that. And what I really like in, in listening to you, I, I consider myself creative as well, but I'm, I, you know, that's more from the writing and, and the other stuff that I do along that line. But really, as you're, as you're saying this, Sadie, you know, yoga is, you know, movement is an expression of art. You know, and I've always thought, I and mean, we, we, for years we've appreciated dance. I mean, years, eons, we've appreciated dance as an art form. But until you just said that, I never really considered teaching exercise as an art form. And I really do think, I, th- I think that's an appropriate analogy. Is that, I mean, 
I love that. Is that is that really help drive you in terms of how you create the different you know the different tweaks that you do within your workout programs? Absolutely. I mean, to me, it is a creative art. We don't look at a choreographer and tell them they're not an artist, but we are choreographers in ways, and we're also guiding people's energy. We're guiding them physically as a choreographer, you know, a choreographer would. We're putting together sequences. We are crafting classes that will take people on a journey toward an achieved hopeful result for them on some level. We are choosing the ambiance and the music when we can. We're, of course, we're creating. And I like to sit down and actually write out the main points and and maybe the theme of my classes before I teach them. I always bring that with me to class. And it's a joy for me. It doesn't feel like work because I a long time ago decided that no matter what I was doing, whether it was yoga or something else, uh, you know, I wanted to feel like an artist every single day. And that if I felt like an artist today, whether it's doing the crafting of these classes or whatever else it is, I feel satisfied. That to me is what we're doing. That is what this is. And I absolutely think when we see it that way, it's, much more exciting. It's much more interesting to everyone. And it allows you to move forward with that fullness, whether there are 10 people in class or 500 people, or, you know, it's, it's exciting for me to think about my social media pages every single day. It's exciting for me to, you know, get into my journal and go, great. So here's a class I want to film tomorrow. What, what's it going to include? <laughs> for me to no, I, I really, a course, I, it's like a joy. As you as you say and this, it really I, I did love, not I, used I, to feel that way, so I understand why sometimes it can feel like uh, you know just another bunch of stuff to do. But I think it's all about perspective. So I like to turn that wheel every day towards the the artist instead of toward the busy, overworked, overstressed person. Let's and I, love, I mean, honestly, while we're practicing. Yeah, I never thought about that before. But the more I think about it, Sadie, the more I love that idea of just like that's what we're doing. You know, I've always thought of you know when you're when you're in front of a room, you're charged with really because think about it. You know, when somebody comes to your yoga class, or if somebody downloads or joins your 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 Fit Fierce Club, you know they're they're giving you their gift of time. And what you're talking about is you're talking about giving them. You know, when somebody comes to your class, they're giving you the gift of time, and you're talking about the gift of preparation and the gift of creativity. That's extremely, that's extremely powerful. It is a gift. It's a gift. And we've talked a lot about how rewarding that gift is for you, but you're giving that gift back to the people who are, are here to set you free, are here to make it so that you can live the lifestyle that you want while not having to compromise your vision and your voice, not to not have to go get some job you hate just to make the rent you know, or whatever it is, they, these are the most precious relationships, some of them that you can have. And so when people say, oh, well, I hate social media, or I'm, I I don't know, I don't want to make videos to, you know, help people learn this stuff because, because I feel insecure about myself, or I'm not used to it, or I don't know the technology, or they phone in their classes because they've allowed themselves a schedule that is just draining them and burning them out. And then they don't have anything left to give. Well, 
These people are giving so much to you and the world needs you more than you need to worry about the five pounds that you think you have to lose before you go on camera. They want your information and it's going to help their lives get better. And also they'll see themselves in you and your reality, whatever it is, is going to attract your tribe. I think that is very important for us to remember as we're looking to maybe move more into ourselves and then offer more of ourselves out into the world in any way, it can feel vulnerable until you leap over yourself. And remember that we're really here to offer back to these people who are, who are really giving you the gift of freedom and the gift of leadership and the gift of being seen and heard and appreciated for your truth. That is what we're here to do on, in my opinion, on this planet. And I just encourage people to get to it. (laughs) Well, and you look at that, but I like the way you say that because you're right. Some people, especially, you know, we, we talked about we're the same age. You know, we, we both, you know, we grew up in the 80s. We graduated high school in 1990. And I do see that with some of the instructors of our generation. They look down on social media. They look down on the way that, you know, people are starting to connect th- through, you know, electronic forms and through digital forms. But I just look at those, whether it's Instagram, whether it's a website, that's just as an opportunity to share your passion and to share your, your creativity with other people. Is that why you started the Fit Fierce Club? And, and what exactly, what, what do you do with the Fit, Fear, Fit and Fierce Club? Well, yeah, that's why I've done everything online. I mean, I have a journalism degree from the University of Washington. So I was always very interested in in mass media and using mass media to communicate with people, to reach people. Um, You know, I started way back in the day when YouTube was just a bunch of kids jumping off their parents' rooftops onto trampolines. And there was like one video from the thirties in black and white of, I think it was Iyengar doing some stuff in India silently, silent movie. There was no yoga on YouTube when I started. That's, that's how far back I was like, well, maybe I can use this bizarre thing to get more people to know about yoga because I've got like eight people in class. So why not make some videos? Maybe the world could find these, who knows, and use them. And, and I became one of the first kind of yogis there that has just moved forward my entire career to the point where now I wanted to make an online yoga studio, yoga shred studio. Also, I have those classes, which are the hit in yoga, meditations, motivations, and my courses are on there as well that I, that I personally make. I wanted to create an online environment and studio where people could, depending on the day, take any kind of class they wanted from me. And I now, instead of going out and teaching in public all week long, like I used to, I film at my home in the mornings during the week, whatever I am inspired by. And people get fresh classes every week. So I am kind of taking the subscription model on to a personal subscription model so that I'm really free to create how I choose. I'm not beholden to another company where I have to really align with their brand and do their thing too. I, I'm, I have freed myself and it's amazing that so many people want to be with me at home. I hear from them every day. It's a great positive experience. And I think social media can be a very powerful, helpful, um, close-knit, community-oriented, happy space if we put that energy into it. 
instead of talking about how cold it is or impersonal, why don't you get on there and try it and offer what you have and then see what you think? Because I'll tell you right now, you're going to be very shocked and rewarded by how awesome and personal people are online. It's pretty cool. Well, I think that's one of the great things. I just, I pulled up your YouTube. That's what that little, there's a little sound interruption there. I pulled up your YouTube channel and wow. I mean, I didn't realize, you know, how many, you know, you have a ton of subscribers there. You have a huge following on Instagram. Now, as someone who has been practicing yoga for a long while, does it feel, I mean, you just talked about it a little bit, but, but as you made that transition from doing live classes to digital, did it feel a little awkward at first to kind of be going into a different medium? I mean, the end result's the same as you're sharing your energy, you're sharing your, you know, your passion, you're creating more positive flow in the world. But what wasn't an adjustment for you to make that transition from, you know, live classes to, to this new format? Oh yeah, of course. And I was, I was right there with everyone who was nervous about being on camera, who didn't know the technology. I mean, my first, my first YouTube classes and my YouTube channel is now I took all the longer stuff off. I'm doing everything at the fit and fierce club. It's got the nice bite-sized things still on there, but you can see I've amassed quite a, a number of real views. I paid for nothing on there. You know, that's all people. Um, when I first started in, it was in New York city, actually, I had no idea how to use a camera, how, what camera to use. Should I, we didn't have smartphones. were not at that capacity yet. I think I might've had a flip phone. <laughs> I went to Best Buy and I said, ah, so I want to film me doing yoga at my apartment. And everyone was like, what? That's weird. Um, I said, so, okay, I have this kind of computer. Like I want to put them up on YouTube. Does anyone know how to do this? And one guy, one young kid was like, um, I do, I, I could teach you. I mean, I'm putting like cards in this video camera, you know, I'm taking it home. I had no good lighting. I didn't know you don't shine. You don't put the video cameras facing at you when you're facing in front of a sunny window because the sun is coming right at the camera and I will just be in total shadow. That was my first lesson. Close the curtains. Then I got Chinese screens or Japanese screens, put them up there, turned my lamps over to point at me in my living room, had no lights. Um, put my couch up on end and just left it there for like three weeks while I figured out how to film stuff. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the mats at like a 45 degree angle. I mean, I had a big learning curve, but guess what? The information was so good. I still on some of those early videos have like over a million views for these old, dark, <laughs> Well, it's funny <laughs> you're saying this, and I think that, but I think that's so awesome that you took a risk, that you saw the opportunity. Because yeah, YouTube I think came out in like 2004, 2005, mm -hmm. and I remember wasting you know time you know between clients looking at you're right silly videos, and this is such a new format. So that's I think that's amazing that you had the foresight to really get ahead of the curve and see how you could use that to try to reach new people. What do you think is going to be? How do you think we're going to change? the way we deliver fitness over the next five to 10 years? Or, you know, do you think there's going to be another evolution like we've had with the, with, you know, YouTube and Instagram? Well, I do, especially as most of the world now is coming online. I was just in Cuba for two weeks. Um, Cuba has excellent Wi-Fi. You have to go into a park and get it, but some people are starting to get it in their homes too. And there's nothing 
off limits. They can, they can browse anywhere they want. They could find me, they can find yoga. That, that for me tells me that we need to be online as fitness professionals, as wellness professionals, as, you know, social media professionals, the world is searching for us right now. And there was some, some research, I can't remember the, who did it, but, um, I remember thinking, oh, that's a, that's a really viable source said that over 75% of people now also want to practice their fitness and their yoga at home. They also may go to a studio, but if they can do it at home and they can get quality instruction, they will. And this is not to say we're trying to replace the in-person experience, but in America, at least where I live, and a lot of westernized countries, we're very geocentric, and we don't realize that a lot of the world does not have the luxury of a studio on every corner or great teachers coming to visit them. And that's who I really started teaching for. I, I have people in Afghanistan, people in Iraq, people all over the world writing me, emailing me, saying, thank you so much. I could never get this quality of instruction or even instruction at all where I am, where I live, on a marine base, you know, in in Abu Dhabi. I've, I've been to Dubai because of my online classes and people find me and want to bring me there. It's just, it's amazing that we can actually reach the world. And I think that is something that is just going to grow as access to the internet grows. And as teachers, we can't burn ourselves out flying all over the world, trying to reach everyone. It's hard enough to teach in person enough, you know, to make, to make your, to meet your bills. It's really almost impossible to do that. So the, the internet and passive income, like creating online courses or having your online studio is an awesome way. And I think a, a really crucial way as well to be able to afford the lifestyle that you want to have. And that would include teaching and not having to go do all this other stuff for money, but to be able to help the world and then receive that income back. There's really no way to do it without burning yourself out completely unless you figure out a way to do it passively as well. Well, it sounds like, I mean, have you read, uh, was it Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek? I sure did, honey. That was one of the first books I ever read way back in the day. I think it had just come out. I'm like, what's this crazy? I like that idea. And I actually Exactly, that, right? Yeah, I took that. I was like, there's no way this is possible. I took that on um, and I took, I took on the idea of, okay, well, how could I work smarter and not harder or longer? How? How could I? How could I delegate this? How could I create something uh, called asymmetric returns, which is not his concept. It's a financial concept. An asymmetric return is something everybody should know who's trying to offer to the world and make a living doing it. And that is that if you are doing something where you have to show up in person to get a return, whether it's energetically, it's it, you're doing a trade or it's money. If you only are showing up physically and then you get that. And once you leave the room, the returns stop. That is not sustainable. You've got to do something asymmetrically, which means that you, yeah, you do, a, you do a bunch of work right here to create something. And then you kind of give that ball a kick and that ball starts rolling. And that is going to start rolling, 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 and bring you back returns, 
without you having to constantly show up physically to do it. My whole idea was how can I move after reading that book and others like it? How can I move from putting in my physical time all the time to reworking how I physically showed up to bring me back those returns while I sleep, you know, while I go and have a a salad at the beach, while I go and and listen to myself, as I told you guys to do. Um, So I started thinking, yeah, I've found ways to do that. Well, and I think that's, I mean, I, I think it's a brilliant, I think that's what we're all chasing, right? Hence, therefore, the podcast, <laughs> you, know, yeah. it, you know, for listeners, you know, it, you know if we're going to peel back the layer here. Now, I want to make a quick transition here because I am right now I have my laptop up and for listeners, I really, I encourage you, I, I strongly urge you. In fact, you should. Um, I don't like using very definitive language, but your Instagram feed, Sadie, is beautiful. And I mean, just the way you compose the posts, I mean, you have to be able to see it on a full screen to really appreciate. And now I can really see, I mean, this is, this is the re, the result of that, that moment of quiet or that, that reflection you take in the mo in the morning, correct? Oh yeah. I plan out my Instagram feed and with my husband who is an incredible photographer, most of the photography you see there is his, that does not mean people listening. I know what you're thinking right now. Well, I don't have paparazzi to follow me around <laughs> and take amazing yeah. photos of me. I did it myself for many years, and there's Bluetooth uh, capacity. Get a little tripod for your nice smartphone and walk into the frame, set the frame up, walk in. It's amazing what you can do for yourself, so don't let anything stop you. However, I'm very lucky right now to have not only my own clarity, but to have a husband who takes amazing images and can help bring my vision to life even more. You can see here, and you know I like to... I like to roam around the interwebs and kind of see what other people are doing. And I, I loved how Beyonce, back to the music world, I loved how Beyonce does her Instagram feed where she'll post three pictures of a, sim- of a similar moment sometimes or link them all together. And I just thought, well, I would definitely love to do something like that. It's more clear. Each three strips uh, tells a story. So if you, from left to right every every three tells a different story of something or leads you somewhere um you know that to me is another art form and this is what i'm teaching when i teach how to rock your social media let's say how to bring your own truth and creativity out into your feed so that you can gather the right tribe not just anybody because you'll get views for your bikini on the beach but they're not necessarily going to translate into people who get you, who follow you, who, who want to get your course or come to your workshop or your retreat, whatever that is. I want to kind of hone it in to the fact that less is more when it comes to followers, when it comes to people on your Instagram or your Facebook and how you really create yourself as a statement and let people see who you truly are. All of these are me. And, um, I'm glad it's coming through. This is, this is one of the most enjoyable things I do. And I used to hate posting on social media and I found I mean, a way I, to love it. Oh, sh- um, I have to say, sorry, there's a little phone call interruption. You have the phones already sync up the computers, but I mean, I really, I am, I am just, I'm overwhelmed. I'm scrolling through, through your feed here. And I really encourage listeners to go on a laptop or a full screen because this is really well laid out. Are you, you're speaking at ideal world this year. Are you doing a session on social media? 
I am sure doing one. Um, I think I might be doing two. So usually I'll do something like <laughs> rock your social media where I, I teach people simple things you can do right now to, to optimize and clarify and make your social medias more valuable to people to add value to their lives. And that's, that's what I don't see a lot of people doing. I see a lot of people posting about their, their lives, the, the influencer, the teacher will post about what they're doing all the time. And there's a, there's a very powerful shift you can make to yes, use that, but also to start figuring out how you can be of service to their evolution, their transformation, their health, their fitness, you know, their happiness. So I want to, I'm teaching that. And then I, I may also be coming, I can't, I don't see the schedule in front of me right now, but I do teach a six, uh, make six figures while you sleep because I am currently one of the world's best selling online e-course creators. And, um, that's going real well for me. I want to teach people how to make online courses, take people through a journey of your knowledge, whatever that knowledge may be. And how and now, you do you do the courses? Sorry, you have the courses on, on your Fit and Fierce Club, but do you, do you have a, well, I actually will ask that question a little offline, but I really, I, I definitely am going to, I'm definitely going to be, be looking up those sessions because those that's really, you know, powerful, important information. Now, as we get ready to wrap up, there's one thing I want to ask you about that's, that's on your, that's on your bio, because this is extremely important. Mm-hmm. I, I love the artwork. I love your creativity. And what I, what I, what I kind of really can relate to is that you call yourself an anatomy nerd. I consider myself a fitness geek. How do you get, you know, what do you, what do you consider an anatomy nerd? How do you consider yourself? Like, what do you, what does that, what qualifies you as an anatomy nerd? Well, you know, I studied yoga and movement for so many years. And then I started noticing that my joints were not happy anymore. I looked around myself and most of the fitness and yoga teachers I knew and respected were going into, you know, inflammation. We're having strains. A lot of them were going to surgery for shoulder repair and, and hip tears and all sorts of things. And I said, well, I don't want to go down that path. Uh, so from the time I was 30 until about 40 something, I studied with Leslie Kamenoff, who is an anatomy master, a breath master, and he wrote the best-selling yoga book, um, yoga anatomy, but he's an anatomist for, for everyone. And then by proxy through him, Tom Myers, who's a myofascial expert who discovered that we have a deep core line of muscles in our bodies that are interconnected. And the only one we decompress with, but nobody teaches that in yoga at all or knows about it. Now they do hopefully through me. Um, so, you know, (laughs) bone, the bone, um, compression, or decompression work of Paul Grilly. So obviously I'm nerding out just talking about it. I went into anatomy world and I said, well, outside of any style, how does the human body work and not work? And what are the options? Why are we teaching people to turn the hips forward in warrior one when the back foot is at 45 degrees? That's horribly twisting the knee. But yet almost every yoga teacher you see will say that. Why do we try to parallel the feet when we stand? It's, it's, probably twisting most people's knees to do that. That's not the way your kneecaps face. That's not the way your feet should face. Squatting, are people on the heels more letting the feet turn in and out with as they lower and come up? No, they're not. They just have the feet planted and they're doing a thing. And I wanted to really bring that into whatever I'm doing. So all of my movement, yoga, yoga, hit, whatever it is, is anatomy enhanced, I call it, or anatomically optimized 
Well, that's and that's so powerful. That's why I wanted to ask that. Yeah, I I don't do yoga as regularly as I should. I keep meaning to try to get back to it, but I'm very particular about my instructors. And I am not. I'm one of these people. I can't stand being overly hot. So I'm not yeah. a huge fan of this hot room yoga. I, I, I sweat. Blech. I just you know me to lock either. me in a room and just have me do. Um, you know, and have me do, you know, blech, never mind. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm just not a and, huge fan of that much sweating. And if you ask any, any hot, 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 hot yoga teacher, probably, well, let's say 95% because some of them know this, but most do not. Why the hot room? Why we're getting people to sweat so much? They will all say, almost all say it's detoxing you. Well, no, it is not. You do not detox, detox no, through sweating. It's not maybe 1% of your toxins might come out in, in your sweat. You actually detoxify through exhaling and going to the bathroom, let's say. <laughs> Those are two great <laughs> that's, ways. That's the number one detox right there. People yeah. don't realize that, but yeah, yeah. Sweat is a cooling mechanism where your body is desperately trying to cool itself down because working out in heat can give you heat stroke, and it's really freaking out your system. And that cortisol that that stress can produce doing that can actually negate a lot of the benefits and also you're dehydrating yourself so you're not truly able to detoxify <laughs> as much when you go to the bathroom because you're dehydrated. So, I, you know, just knowing anatomy, knowing how to work smarter, not harder is exactly what I do on that Fit and Fierce Club. Every, every class, well, almost every class is under 30 minutes, but you get the benefits of working out for an hour to two hours from each of the classes because of how I've optimized the movement. Um, if you don't like to work out, good. Go work out for less time and get more get more results and be safer in your joints. That's what I wanted to create um, from my nerdiness, and I've managed to do that. So that's there. You know, all my no, courses you... are on the um, Sadie Courses website, sadiecourses.com. If anyone wants to just kind of check out how I'm doing that, you can see everything. It's no, pretty much where I live definitely... right now. <laughs> well, I'll definitely add that link. But but when I started, when I was doing yoga, I was actually going through Gary Gray's um, functional his uh, Institute for Functional Transformation of like a forty eight week program of really doing a deep dive on anatomy. And what I loved about doing yoga was feeling the joints move, feeling the tissue lengthen, and understanding anatomy. Whether you're teaching yoga or whatever exercise you teach, isn't I mean, isn't that why you went down that path? Because doesn't if you understand anatomy, doesn't that just open up? the spectrum for the number of things you can do with an exercise program? I believe so for sure. And, and it opens up your eyes to how, you know, how you can be moving people in any way more effectively and more safely. And I think safety is huge for us. We don't see the people that walk out of our classes and then get hurt or inflamed and just can't practice on the hands anymore or, or something happens to the SI joint. And a lot of teachers of all types don't know what to do when people come up and say, oh, you know, my knee is really hurting in class. But here they're teaching strange knee twist movements because their teacher taught them and they just don't know any better. And I think it's very important to get some study in with teachers who are anatomy trained uh, biomechanically, like how we move through space. Not just, oh, there's a knee joint, here's what it does, but here's, here's what movement does to the body. Here's what this will and won't do for you. And, and just illuminating that, having more, I think, time on your hands once you start doing some of this passive income stuff or once you start using your social media better so people can get to your classes and fill them up more and you're more free, 
then you have some more time on your hands. And with that, I would definitely go into more study like that. I think that's the new wave. And the teachers who know that stuff feel so much better in the body. At this point, I'm not even a yoga teacher anymore. I would say I'm a movement teacher. Um, You'll see if you ever do any practices with me, my movement is very organic. It's built from that muscle meridian knowledge. It's built from the ground up. It's built with physics. It's built how the brain actually uh, triggers the body to work in a certain order, and that's from neuroscience. It feels better, and people who feel better will study with those teachers instead of the people who are still teaching from just the shapes they know or what their teacher taught them. And I would say just kind of dive in because as well as being online, the new generation is really going to be deeper knowledge and synthesis of how we move with nature and how we move with our nature better. Instead of that old linear kind of aggressive stuff, people are going to get the same or better results, but feel more empowered and feel more energetic and feel like their joints don't hurt anymore. That's what we're doing over here, you and I. And I hope that more people get into the study of that. Well, I have to tell you, and that's made all the difference in the world. You know, it, 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 we're the same age. We're mid, mid forties. And I played rugby for years. I ruptured the disc in my back. I've, you know, had, I don't know how many separated shoulders, but I haven't had, with the exception of the surgery to repair the ruptured disc, I haven't needed to have a, a shoulder repaired. I, you know, and I can, I can lift a ton of weight, you know, and it's like, if you understand anatomy, you understand movement, it really opens up the spectrum to be able, number one, you move better, you feel better. But if you, if you work in fitness, then it just, it gives you so many more options. Is that really what you focus on, on SadieCourses.com is helping everybody just understand how the body functions? Well, I do. That's one of my foundations. But what you're going to see, okay, I call it spinach and a brownie. Um, If you need to get someone to eat spinach and they hate it, you can just pulverize it and stick it in a brownie and they'll probably like it a lot. And I want to eat that freaking brownie. So yes, everything I do is underlaid with a deep anatomy knowledge and, and breath knowledge and all that stuff. But what you get is I think what most people want more They'll get the education if they want that, but they're going to have a, an empowering, fun practice that works, that gives them the results I promise, whether it's physical or, or successful or, you know, on whatever level it is, that's what I want for them. I think I can be more useful actually improving people's lives, energy, and happiness in addition to providing them with that information. Once you move like this, you will never, you'll know when you're not moving like that and you will avoid that. And that's really what I do. Then yes, I have teacher trainings and pro trainings that dive deeper into here's exactly what we're doing. Here's the four step process and all that. The personal at home courses for just like the regular Joe or Jane, those are just going to give you like an awesome experience that you'll want to keep coming back to. Um, but you're not going to hurt yourself. <laughs> that's my, that's my, but goal. that's the important, but that's the important thing is, and I, I, for listeners and we're getting ready to wrap up is, you know, as we age, we can still work hard. We can still exercise. We still do our favorite activities. If, if we respect the body and understand how the body moves and we, and I love what you said earlier, you, you kind of ask yourself and you have that quiet time with yourself. If you really deep, 
do a deep dive inside of yourself, you know, you can really understand how you should be moving your body. I mean, that's really, that's a cool thing. It's, man, this is a fun conversation, Sadie. I'm really, and, and I'm, I'm going to make a little promise to you that I'm going to do at least one of your yoga workouts. I'm going to go to YouTube first before joining Fit and Fierce Club, but I'm going to go to your YouTube channel because when we bump into each other at Idea World, I want to be able to tell you just about, you know, about the benefit and about the experience. And for listeners, I'll share my experience either on Instagram or I'll talk about it in one of the quick fit tips because I have so much respect for yoga. And I have to say now in my 40s, I would rather be able to hold an inversion than yes. bench press 315 pounds. Right. I mean, it, the goals change, you know, and, and what the body can do is amazing, but we're all getting older and you want to just respect it and move with your rhythms and move with your seasons, but stay strong and fit. I mean, I'm 47. I have no joint issues. And I used to, when I was 20, I have cleared those up, but I'm stronger than I ever was. I can do hit like a monster, but I'm careful with myself. So I'm not, I'm not, destroying my body just to get a small window of fitness in my life. I want to be doing this stuff in my own ways for a lifetime. So longevity has become really important to me. And I teach that way from the beginning, you know, that's and, so important. and we're both doing that. And I really appreciate that. And Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to get you on that fit and fierce club just as a gift for doing this podcast and spreading this to the world and let you just do what I'm see what I'm doing now. The YouTube stuff is great, but the fit and fierce club is where it's at. So I want to get you there and, and see what you think, you know? So when you see me, maybe we can do some fists of fire together and you know, <laughs> you'll know what that means later. Well, you know, and I, I will take you up on that, especially, you know, with the punk rock angle. I mean, come on. I mean, I still, I still thump bad brains and minor threat, like I said, in my workout playlist. And, and at one time you said, you said you do like punk rock yoga. There's one time I did a punk rock indoor cycling class. Two or three yeah. people really liked it. Yeah. Everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's maybe a little too intense for the general pop, you know, but I like now I love classic rock. I love classic, you know, rock into rock and roll into metal classic like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and all that good stuff too. So these days, if I'm going to vibe, you know, there's some great punk rock that definitely we can listen to in class. I'll save the other stuff for, for at home when I'm doing my hit. Well, that's awesome. Sadie, how can people track you down? We've talked about a couple of your resources and you'll be at Ideal World this year, but where can people, what's the best way to interact with you? Obviously Fit and Fierce Club, but what are the ways can people interact with you? Yeah, well, I am Sadie Nardini Official on both Instagram and Facebook. So those are the best ways to see what I'm doing for free. I do post a lot of, uh, you know, one yoga shred move or here's a cool idea for adding a little weight and, you know, I go from better booty to here's a meditation that you can use to, to bust negativity. All that stuff is there, and you can reach me and DM me, and I'm, I'm very active on my social medias. Um, then I have fitfierceclub.com. That's where the other stuff is. It's free for seven days, and it's very easy to cancel out. So if you want to go just try my stuff, please do. sadiecourses.com are where a lot of my courses are now, and we're adding more and more every other month. So, you know. That, that's out. really cool. Well, Sadie, it's a pleasure to speak with you today, and it's really a pleasure to, to make an acquaintance with another uh, kind of punk rock aficionado. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> and uh, I will definitely look forward to seeing you in Anaheim. Sounds really good.
All right, before we go any further, I talked about Idea World in the beginning. You can use code PETE19. That's P-E-T-E-1-9. Code PETE19 will save you $30 on this year's Idea World Convention, June 26th to 30th, where you can see the top fitness and nutrition industry leaders helping you learn how to take your fitness game to the next level. PETE19 will save you $30 at this year's Idea World. And finally, the last little plug, folks, if you want to learn more about movement or the types of movement that can help you reach your fitness goals, or if you want to learn how to use exercise to slow down the aging process, yeah, I'll say that again, exercise can slow down the aging process, and that's what my book, Smarter Workouts, talks about. So check below in the show notes, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. It's my book about fitness, and most importantly, how you can use fitness and exercise to take control of the aging process. Well, this was a fun conversation, and what I liked about the discussion about punk rock, or what I like about meeting a fellow punk rock enthusiast, is you think differently. You look at the world a little bit differently. I don't know how many of you are familiar with bands. Uh, I'll go Bad Brains, Minor Threat. You know, I grew up in D.C., so those were you know that's who I was influenced by. These were all like my friends' older brothers, older sisters. And it was just, a, you know, you have to go back to the 80s. You know, I, like I said, I grew up in D.C. I grew up in a very liberal part of D.C., the Tacoma Park, Silver Spring. You know, at the time, you had the 80s going on. You had Reagan conservatism. You had, you know, this whole thing, you know, the, the, the Cold War against the Soviet Union. Punk music came out, of the, came out of the Britain, came out of the late 70s. There's a huge economic recession in Britain in the late 70s. And punk was kind of the culmination of that. Jobs were going away. And so punk from, from, from the U.K. became this kind of anti-establishment. And it came over to the United States and in D.C., New York, L.A. Punk became this whole anti-establishment thing of the 80s that kind of has shaped. You know, for those of us, Sadie and I are both 46, 47 years old. And that has shaped how we look at the world. And that's why I wanted to have that discussion a little bit. And it's interesting to hear her talk about being a singer, talk about being an artist, and talk about being, you know, being into movement. Because that's what, you know, I've often said I'm a huge fan of the Joe Rogan podcast. Joe, if you're listening, have me on your show. Um, but I'm a big fan of the Joe Rogan podcast because when you hear Joe Rogan and other comedians like Tom Segura or Burt Kreischer, Ron White, uh, Bill Burr, what's fascinating to me with Joe talking to other comedians is they talk about how they design their set, how they design a special for Netflix. Well, as I'm talking to Sadie, that's what's kind of going through my mind is that as instructors, we're kind of doing the same thing, right? Is we have to put together, Sadie teaches yoga, she teaches other formats, but when you're putting a class together, much like any other piece of art, you have to look at what works. You're creating something from scratch. Sometimes it's going to work, it's going to flow beautifully, and you know what? Other times it doesn't. But what's most important if you're an instructor is be prepared for a class. If you're a student in class, be prepared to go with the flow. Just like Sadie, you know, a lot of instructors get recruited by their teachers to become instructors. And if you're a student in, in, in that class and somebody who's been taking the class with you is now becoming the, the, the instructor, you have to give him or her the respect they deserve because it is scary. It is terrifying to step in front of the room and start leading your friends and start leading your peers. So please, if you're in a, if you're in a studio, if you show up for a workout and you got somebody new in the studio, we were all new once. You know, Sadie is a very popular, you know, extremely popular instructor online and through social media, but we were all new once. Please give those new instructors a benefit of the doubt. And what I loved, really loved about this conversation though, was how Sadie leveraged, she took it upon herself 
to leverage these new media. She leveraged YouTube. She's leveraging Instagram to take yoga out there to the masses. And this is a conversation that I've had with a lot of people our generation. You know, we're both in our mid-40s. There are a lot of instructors out there like us who haven't really learned how to use social media, and they kind of look down derisively on it. Well, Sadie's using social media. I'm using podcasting. We're trying to get out there. What we're doing is you have this whole evolution right now in fitness about no longer do you need to go into a physical studio to get instruction. You can download Sadie's. You can go to, to Sadie's website and start doing instruction there. That's one of the cool things about what we've done technology. And Sadie has definitely been one of the ways you know leading that. If you want to meet her, if you want to learn from her, if you want to see how she's rocking her social media, because really, I am definitely going to be at her session this year at Idea World because whatever she's doing with Instagram, I need to do a little bit of that. Folks, hopefully you got a little bit of insight from Sadie Nardini today. I love the fact we were able to talk about yoga. I love the fact we were able to talk about what it takes to be an instructor. And most importantly, I really like the fact that we could have a little discussion about punk rock because I really do believe it's having that mindset that allows you to work that look at the world a little bit differently. So this is a little bit different than all about fitness and usual. It's not just about lifting, not just about getting sweaty, but it's about how can we look at the world just a little bit more differently. Thanks for stopping by this episode, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.